from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, March 6, 2019. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling on a Wednesday evening. We welcome in Danny Flecka for another one of his routine appearances. Hello, sir. How's it going? Good evening, good evening. All right. Um, a lot of people came out of the combine, including Rich Eisen, convinced that Kyler Murray is going one. Uh, we're going to do a whole NFL draft thing later on um, this month and, and, and next month. But just off the top, Cliff Kingsbury's in, you know, love this guy since his days at Tech, but you've got a guy there. And this creates a really interesting cascading effect where if they draft Murray, where does Rosen go? And does a team like the Giants make the move? Um, what's your take uh, as, as somebody who's not a combine watcher, who's not a combine believer, well, so, uh, sorry, believer is a strong word, um, just not somebody who sits down and actively watches it for hours on end, like some people do, uh, what's your impression about what the hell happens in Arizona? I think if you're in Arizona and you're convinced that Kyler Murray is your guy and he's going to be number one and, and everything... <laughs> The first thing I would do, though, is the GM is I'd take calls from some other teams that are in the top ten and see if they want to move up uh, and grab somebody else that's not Kyler Murray, um, get some more draft picks, etc. But if I'm a GM of any team that is has an aging quarterback, the Steelers, the Giants, the Pats, uh, the Chargers, you know, the first thing Saints. I'm doing is calling up Arizona and seeing what their price is for, for Rosen. Uh, I think if I'm the Giants, I'm calling them right now and saying, hey, are you really taking Kyler number one? Is he, your, is he your number one guy? You know, we have a second round pick high in the second round. We're willing to trade you a second round for Rosen. Straight up. And um, I think there's some value there to be had with Rosen. You know, he was on a, on a team last year that was just not built for him. It was all over the place. Their offensive line was one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. He got sacked over 40 times. Uh, the, you know, the, the coaching staff was in over his head. It just was not a good fit. And, you know, I'm sure this year with Cliff Kingsbury, a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's, he's not a fit for his air raid attack. I, I don't know what a qualification for a quarterback is anymore. They just, is, you know, he can throw the ball. He's one of the best throwers that, were, that came out last year. Um, they have no wide receivers there, so, you know, it's really hard to, to really evaluate what it was that he did wrong. You know, and any quarterback that's getting getting up every every time they throw the ball is going to have some issues, but I think if I'm the Giants, I, I'm making that call right away, seeing what they want. I think that's great value. He was a top 10 pick, top 12 pick last year. You have him cost control for the next four years. You have the opportunity to let him learn behind Eli. He has a good offensive staff there. And on top of that, you keep your first-round pick. And at number six, you take the best available player there because you have multiple holes to fix. Um, you know, that's what I would do if I was a GM. Um, what's interesting about this, just from a, um, a football standpoint, uh, sorry, from a, a um, schedule calendar standpoint, is Adam Schefter reported two hours ago that multiple people's in, uh, multiple teams inquired about Rosen's availability at the Combine last week, and Arizona did not give those teams any indication that it's willing to move on. That doesn't mean they, they might 
it, it doesn't mean they won't, you know, send them somewhere later, but to date, they've not responded to the overtures. Um, if you are a team like the Giants, would you like to know before free agency opens up, before the draft? Like, when would you like to get this deal done? I think the sooner the better. And if you're the Cardinals, you're just doing good business. The later you wait, the higher the price is going to be. And, uh, you know, maybe you get the Pats come in with their first-round pick at the end of the draft, and that's something Arizona wants. You know, with that first-round pick, you get the fifth-year option that you don't get with a second-round pick. So I can see them, you know, waiting out and seeing what the market market might be able to give them there. But if I'm any team, you want to know what your draft's going to look like before you head into, you know, around free agency. That way you can plan appropriately. If you're the Giants and you miss out on Rosen and you miss out potentially on Teddy Bridgewater or whoever it is, then you're going to the draft with your back against the wall having to draft a quarterback. And my concern with them is that they get leapfrogged. Uh, another team falls in love with Haskins and they trade with the Jets or uh, the 49ers, whoever it might be that has a higher pick than them, and then they draft Haskins and the Giants are left with, you know, excuse my language, with their dick in their hands, you know? Like, okay, now what? So uh, if I'm the Giants, I'm trying to make this deal, or any team, I'm trying to make this deal before the free agency starts because Arizona, at number one, you can do whatever you want. And they, if Kyler Murray's their guy, then then they already know it. Uh, if he's not their guy and they're going to keep Rosen, then you know they're looking probably to trade back that number one pick to see if a team that does want Kyler more and more than them is willing to give up more. But if I'm looking to get Rosen, I want to get this deal done probably within the first week of free agency. That way, going into the second wave of free agency and into the draft, you know exactly where your holes are going to be. And then num- at number six, you can take any player that's available. Um. Antonio Brown seems like a perfect fit for the Raiders, but uh, John Gruden's befuddled me before. Where do you think he ends up? Adam Schefter's reporting this deal is, is going to be done by Friday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I think the team that they watch out for is, are the Titans. I think they realized that they had a team that um, was competing last year, and they have a quarterback that they need to invest in. They need to given more pieces, they need to be more dynamic on offense, and you know, what better guy to bring in than Antonio Brown, and they have a young wide receiver in Corey Davis, they have another couple of nice pieces there as well that could really uh, use uh, another weapon there to open things up for them, and I think that for Mariota, you're, you're begging them to, to grab Antonio Brown. We, you know, we, we see you know, Ben Roethlisberger, what he is right now and uh, you know he can say what he wants to say about the teammates he has and he's been very open about speaking about them but he's nowhere without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown so uh, and if I'm the Titans I'm looking for a way to get this deal done you get him you have you know uh, Corey Davis you have Tywan Taylor who's a good slot guy Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry and Mariota that's a pretty good you know, lineup to throw out there against an AFC South that's going to be wide open for grabs again next year because the Texans are at Helter Skelter. The Colts are, looks like they're on their way up, but not necessarily there yet. And the Jaguars are retooling and, and need a new quarterback and wide receiver. So if I'm the Titans, you have a chance here with a pretty solid defense, uh, a new coaching staff, 
the ability to get a player that can really change the, the avenues at which your team goes down. So if I'm the Titans, I'm making this move as soon as possible. That's the team I think would be the best fit for him. I know we've seen the Jets and Cardinals, they're out. If, if you're Antonio Brown, you go to the Raiders, how's it any different than what you're dealing with now? And then if you go to the Redskins, yeah, the Redskins are a better situation than the Raiders, but I, I don't think it's anything better than, than the Raiders, realistically. They they don't have a quarterback right now. You know, they, they're kind of all over the place, and, you know, the NFC East is a physical – not that he's not coming from a physical division, but the NFC is a different beast than the AFC. Um, we're talking with Danny Flecky here about uh, sports and, and just all the different machinations, especially in the NFL as we go towards free agency. Nick Foles to the Jags, that seems like a, a perfect fit. Um, he can win games for them. Blake Bortles wasn't doing it. Um, they've, they've got the money. It just makes sense. Yeah. You know, but sometimes just because it makes sense doesn't mean it's the right fit. I, I... They're coming from a team in Philadelphia that was running a very specific style of offense to cater to what Nick Foles did. Um, and I, I don't know if Jacksonville is, is the place for him from a football standpoint. You know, they don't run any sort of RPO or spread offense. They have a, a decent offensive line. They don't really have weapons for him to throw to. It, it, to me, it's a tough transition for him. I don't think they're going to necessarily get the Nick Foles that, that we saw in Philadelphia. I do think there are better teams out there for him. Uh, Washington would be an example. Very similar style of offense. Uh, really lets them, you know, air the ball out. The Giants would be another pick, you know, uh, although he's not going to sit behind Eli Manning with the Giants, for example, or a team. And even Arizona, uh, you know, a team that has an offensive scheme that's similar to what he's in right now that will cater more to his skill set. I, I know Jacksonville is in desperate need and it, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it's necessarily the best move just because it makes a lot of sense. Where would you have gone if if you had the entire NFL open to you where, where, and you're Nick Foles, where would you have signed? Um, I think the best fit just from a standpoint of what he's done well is you know, a, a, a team like the Giants, you know, like I said, though, he's not going to sit behind Eli Manning, but you have dynamic skill set, uh, skill players, you know, Dell, Ingram, Shepard, Barkley, not too dissimilar to what he had in Philadelphia, uh, a coach that has worked with him in the past and, run, and can cater his offense to a specific quarterback, um, you know, they, they have a a decent enough offensive line if they invest in it more this offseason. You know, a team like the Giants or, like I mentioned, like Arizona does provide more of that stability, I think, that would be a good thing for him. And if Tampa Bay was so inclined to move on for Jameis Winston, I think Tampa Bay would have been a good fit for him, too. You know, Bruce Arians, you know, has worked with some good quarterbacks and has been able to so. Um, you know, those are just teams that would be good fits, but I, I don't think that they're looking for a guy like Nick Foles, and I don't think he's looking for a situation like that where he has to be a backup again. So, Jacksonville, Miami, you know, those teams, Washington, are, are those teams that, you know, need a quarterback and don't have anyone right now at the top of the depth chart. But uh, I don't see how Miami or Jacksonville for Nick Foles would be a good fit. But, you know, it, it's in the key lead for him to go to Jacksonville. I wish him the best. I just don't know if he's going to see 
Yeah. All right. Um, in Tom McShay's latest mock draft, it goes Murray, Nick Bosa, Quentin Williams to the Jets, Josh Allen to the Raiders, um, Montez Sweat or Sweeter or Sweat, however you pronounce that, to the Bucks, and then the Giants taking Haskins. If I'm the Jets, I'm taking my my phone is just ringing off the hook if Murray goes one. Um, a the Jets haven't had a good pass rusher, but this is so. Defense heavy, and there's so many good D linemen that I would take that call if I'm Mike McCagnan. Try to get some of the picks that we lost last year when we traded Sam Darnold back and, you know, see what we can do. There's going to be some teams calling, if, especially if Murray does not go one. There's going to be some teams calling. Yeah, and the team that I would look at would be Miami. Miami's a team that needs a quarterback. Needs to kind of set the page for this uh, new regime that's in there. Uh, you know, they're a very much a team I can see looking to, to leapfrog over a team like New York, uh, the Giants, that is, and get that shot at Haskins first. Um, you know, they, they have the opportunity and Miami to start fresh, and you get that quarterback of the future right now. So, you know, they're a team I could see giving the Jets a call. Um, you know, Denver was a team that could possibly have done it, but they signed Flacco and have him on the books. I don't know how desperate they are now to call, but they're a team to look out for. And you could also see the Giants give them a call and um, see if they can get that number three spot and the Jets move back to number six. Um, but if I'm the Jets, if, if Murray doesn't go number – if Murray goes number one, then I'm taking – the best offer I have on the table, even if Murray doesn't go number one, you know there could be a team that's desperate enough to move up there, and that that's where you're the Jets in a similar situation that the Giants were last year. You know, do you take those calls and let the team that need quarterback take your spot, and, and you sit back and reap the rewards, or do you just take the best guy available, hoping that that guy is going to be a game changer for your franchise? So. The Jets are in a good spot. I think they can end up with a player like Nick Bosa, perhaps, or you mentioned Quentin Williams, who's pretty good. Um, or they can move back and they can get some offensive line help or uh, another corner, you know, like that guy Greedy Williams from LSU. So they're in a good spot. You know, there's, there's a lot of different directions they can go in, and they'll be in a different spot in three weeks than they are right now because free agency will hit and we'll see what pieces they get. and. Maybe they plug enough holes in free agency that at number three, they're going to take the best guy on their board. Yeah, all right. Now, um, if you're the Giants and you're a Giant fan, do you want Haskins? I have no problem with Haskins. You know, it, it would be nice that they didn't have to waste the top ten pick on a quarterback. We all know that that's where the quarterback's a pick. Uh, it would have been nice if they had... You know, I was talking to a buddy yesterday, and we were just talking about the draft, and, and you know, I told him the first thing I would do is call about Rosen, but after that, it, it, it take Haskins if he's there, and I think a lot of what the Giants are seeing right now is just a lot of mismanagement that they had with Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo, the, the terrible drafting, the terrible contracts, the poor handling of Eli Manning in 2016, uh, or 2017, I'm sorry. Just a lot of bad decisions that have now set up this franchise that's not going to win for another couple of years. So 
if Haskins is there, I'm satisfied with that pick. I, I like his build. You know, he was throwing the ball well at the combine. He's got a nice touch. He's got a good throw. He can make all the throws. He's not as mobile as maybe a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL these days, but, you know, when I'm evaluating quarterbacks in my mind or when I'm looking at quarterback play, I don't need you to run a 4-4. I don't need you to be able to scramble outside the pocket all the time. I want to know how you maneuver within the pocket. Tom Brady is the slowest person in the NFL, hands down. He's not scrambling outside the pocket. He manipulates the pocket to get the angle that he needs to, to make the successful throw, and that's what I want in a quarterback. And I think Haskins has that. His footwork looks good at the combine. He's probably the only person that I really watch. You know, his footwork works good, looks good. He's making the right throws. He's stepping into throws. He's throwing off the right foot. He was leading receivers. Um, he was hitting receivers in stride. He was getting air on the ball and his deep passes. He was hitting receivers on tough throws. He has all the intangibles, I think, to be a good quarterback, and he's an accurate passer. He's a 70% passer, threw for, seven, threw for 50 touchdowns last year. I get it. He, he didn't play a lot. Uh, he only had one real season of starting experience. Uh, but I think given the, the level of competition he's played in, the coaching that he got, I, I think he'd be a good fit for the Giants, and if they're able to take him, that'd be a great pick for them. And he had the opportunity to sit behind Eli for a year, maybe even play next year. Again, there's a solid foundation there if they built it the right way. And you have a wide receiver like Odell Beckham to throw to for the next couple of years. You know, there, there could be worse situations to go into if you're a rookie quarterback. Uh, there's Champions League stuff all over Twitter right now and trending topics. Apparently, Manchester United defeated Palace St. Germain in a dramatic Champions League game. That's the tag that's on the trending topic. Uh, what all went down? Yeah, it was an interesting game. I was watching it. Uh, Man U, riddled with injuries, really was fielding sort of a, a skeleton crew, if you could say. Um, they were down 2-0 in the aggregate after losing 2 nothing at home uh, a couple weeks ago. Came off, you know, were able to take advantage of some mistakes that, you know, Paris Saint-Germain made. We're up uh, 2-1 at halftime, and they needed a goal to really to move on. And got fortunate with a handball inside the box in the 90th minute, and they were able to put that away to go up 3-1 and, and take over on the aggregate. So a uh, really inspired performance by them. They, they changed their manager at the end of the year, uh, I mean, end of 2018, and they have lost one game since he's taken over, and he's done a really good job relating to the players, and they're moving on. So... It's going to be interesting to see what type of draw they get, uh, if they're able to get healthy enough and, and, and really feel the full squad. But if you're a Paris Saint-Germain fan, I don't know if anybody out there is, this is uh, this adds to the list of really just agonizing exits from the Champions League. You know, a couple of years ago, they went into Barcelona up 4-1 on aggregate and got their asses kicked at Barcelona to get knocked out. So uh, this just adds to that list and... Uh, it's unfortunate they're a pretty good team, but I think the better team today won and is moving on. Um, uh, it's, uh, I, I would not want to be a soccer fan. Um, I, I, and I've said this to you before. If you're a soccer fan in the U.S., a fan of a European team, and you have to go through this, 
during the day and during work days, I can't imagine the emotions that, that all the ups and downs and then trying to focus on your work. I'm very glad that most American sports do not take place. Well, except for, for day baseball, but it's regular season stuff, except for the playoffs, really. Um, we got March Madness. Yes, um, yes, there's also March Madness. It's, you know, and I'm a golf fan, but there's ways to, to you know, uh, uh, spoiler alert yourself and and still be okay. Um, it's just a lot of stuff that that I and, and and just an emotional roller coaster that I'm glad that I have no part in uh, in having to worry about. Um, when now Major League Soccer took away ag- aggregate this year, and they're just going to go to straight elimination. Um, uh, would you like to see that everywhere? We've talked about the aggregate system, but do you like what MLS did with their playoff structure for this season? It's an interesting uh, way to go about things. I think in soccer, it, it's either you got to go on aggregate or you got to go home and home and hope and let everything just play out the way it is. Uh, Playoff systems are weird in knockout competitions in soccer just because of the way that they're set up. And it's not like football or, you know, March Madness where the bracket is out and that's it. You just go, go, go. Um, the home and, you know, the home and away series plays into it a bit. And do I think you should be awarded more because you scored a goal away from home? No, it's not like that during the regular season. Um, Having it straight aggregate, uh, I mean straight up, where it's, you know, at the end of the tie, it is. If it's tied up, it's three-three. You play extra time. If it's four-one or whatever it is, it does make more sense. It's easier to follow. It does add a little bit more drama to it if there's a weighted system in play. But I think we've seen in the Champions League the last couple of years that if you're a team that's uh, you're backed up against the wall and you're a team that has to protect it, because those games are going to be drama-filled anyway. Soccer is one of those games, and it's unlike basketball or football, that if you have the advantage going into a game or going into a half or whatever it is, you're going to play more conservatively, and that's just the way it is. And no matter what, it still happens, and teams... Like, for example, Real Madrid yesterday, they were up 2-1 on aggregate and had two away goals. All they had to do, realistically, was just play an even game and just keep a game in front of them. And they were blitzed early. And they were in shock. And their tactics that they probably came out with that game went out the window within the first five minutes, and they couldn't recover. And that's the drama I think you see with the aggregate. But I'm sure you can still see some with a straight-up tie. So it'll be interesting to see how MLS deals with it. Uh, But I think either way, you have to be the best team over two games. So it's compelling in its own sense in that way. We shall see how it all uh, turns out come the end of the year. Uh, We're both Yankee fans. Are you concerned about Severino not being ready for opening day? You know, they said it's minor. They're going to shut him down for two weeks. 
if I'm a, you know, I am a Yankee fan, and I, I saw the news, and I was a little disappointed to see that happening. You just signed him to a new contract. You wanted to be your opening day starter. You wanted to be the face, face of the pitching staff, etc. But there could not be a better time for him to get hurt. <laughs> There's literally no better time for a pitcher to have this type of injury than now. He's not going to miss any meaningful games. He doesn't have to rush back. It's only March 6th. Uh, we have another three, four weeks before the season starts. By the time he gets back up into it and goes through his rehab, he might miss a week or two. And we all know that the baseball schedule in April is all over the place with rainouts, snow, uh, two-game series, and days off, everything else like that. So I, I think if there's a time for this injury to happen, I'm glad it's now, and I'm glad it's not in the middle of April or middle of May where he would miss a big chunk of, of of what it is that we need him to do to be successful. So hopefully it's minor. Hopefully he gets back into it in a couple of weeks. And, he, you know, he's good to go mid-April. But I was relieved when I saw the report that it was minor, and I'm relieved that it happened yesterday and not on April 5th or May 5th. I am with you that this is the perfect time for it to happen, but anything that involves rotator cuffs just scares me. I would much yeah. rather this be a... Yeah. Um, I, I would much rather this be plantar fasciitis than than shoulder. I mean, with a picture, you're going to be, unfortunately, uh, to come through those types of injuries at some point in time. And, again, we hope it's minor. We hope the Yankees do the right thing. And he might just, you know, have felt a little uneasy yesterday. And that may have been the reason why they scratched him. What's the point of sending him out there? Yeah. Um, if he's not 100% in his spring training, he's probably going to throw, what, two innings at that? So... I'd rather now get back into it in a couple of weeks, reevaluate him, see where he's at, and go from there again. I'd rather him miss the month of April than miss the month of May and June. So this is a good time for that injury to happen, and hopefully he can reevaluate his training program and get stronger. That way there's no more flare-ups. But the guy who throws 97 miles an hour regularly has a sharp, biting slider and curveball these little injuries are going to come up and you just got to manage it the right way. This is the exact issue Tiger Woods is going through right now. Um, this next strain apparently had um, while he was playing in Mexico, he tied for 10th there. He was able to battle it out. It's all about the majors for him. It's all about the big events and pulling out this week from everything I've read seems to be more precautionary than anything else. And maybe it's Tiger finally being smart. Um, you just wonder what damage all the 30 and long, you know, waking up at 2, 3 in the morning days in Los Angeles because of the weather um, will do for Tiger. It's going to be interesting to see how Tiger uh, fares when he comes back, whether it's next week or further on down the line. Uh, Danny Flecka, as always, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. No problem, man. Have a good night. You got it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.